0: Get your business together. Get yourself into what you do and see it through.
1: Being boss is hard. Blending work and life is messy. Making a dream job
0: of your own isn't easy. But getting paid for it, becoming known for it, and finding purpose in it is so doable if you do the work. Being boss is a podcast for creative entrepreneurs, brought to you by Emily Thompson and Kathleen Shannon.
1: Hi, I'm Emily, and I own Indie Shopography, where I help passionate entrepreneurs establish and grow their business online by helping them build brands that attract and websites that sell. I help my clients launch their business so they can do more of what they love and make money doing it.
0: And I'm Kathleen. I'm the co-owner of Braid Creative, where I specialize in branding and business visioning for creative entrepreneurs who want to blend who they are with what they do Narrow in on their core genius and shape their content so they can position themselves as experts to attract more dream clients. And Being Boss is a
1: podcast where we're a talking shop, giving you a peek behind the scenes of what it takes to build a business, interviewing other working creatives, and figuring it out as we go, right there
0: with you. Check out our archives at lovebeingboss.com. Welcome
1: to episode number 48. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks Cloud Accounting.
0: Today, Emily and I are so excited to be talking with the best coach I've ever worked with and my very good friend, Jay Pryor. Before we get into the episode, I want to talk a little bit about pricing and collecting payment from your clients. So this is one thing that creatives um, we've worked with always struggle with. And I have never once had a problem collecting payment from a client. And I think it's because I do um, 50% deposit up front and then a 50% payment at the end of the project. Um, Emily, is that how you do it too? No, it's not. How do you do it?
1: (laughs) So um, I like to do uh, 50 at the beginning and 50 in the middle.
0: Oh, 50 in the middle. Mm -hmm. So... Um, you are not delivering anything without payment.
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> all right, but regardless, you're taking a deposit up front. Yes. And what I want to share with you all today is that FreshBooks. I'm so excited about this update. FreshBooks is now accepting deposits. Like, so in other words, you can get payment up front with a deposit. You don't have to create a whole new invoice. This is so. This is something we do in our business. We have to create two to three invoices per client per project because we're accepting deposits and maybe an interim payment and then a final payment. So now with FreshBooks, you can receive a percentage of your invoice upfront by requesting a deposit in FreshBooks. So you don't have to cover costs out of pockets. You don't have to send multiple invoice and you don't have to wait until the end of a project to get fully paid. Um, this will help you get out of the feast or famine roller coaster. And um yeah, so I love this new feature. You guys, FreshBooks is the easy-to-use online cloud accounting designed specifically for creative entrepreneurs, and you can try FreshBooks for free today. Go to FreshBooks.com slash being boss and select being boss in the How Did You Hear About Us section. All right, you guys, we have a very special treat here with us today, which is my um, executive life coach and very good friend, Jay Pryor. Hey, Jay. Hey, I'm so happy
2: to be here with you.
0: We're excited to have you. I've been wanting to have you on the show for a long time. And I'm mean, just to give people a little bit of background, you and I have been working together now for four years, would you say?
2: When did you start Braid?
0: Yeah. Okay. So almost five years.
2: Wow. Has it been five years? Really? Just
0: about. Holy smokes. So, okay. So here's the backstory. Jay worked actually with my sister as her executive coach whenever she was a creative director, VP at an advertising agency And um, basically coached her way out of her day job. (laughs) Hooray! That could probably get you in trouble. Hopefully no no one from that agency is listening. But um, once, once Tara and I started Braid together... Then we both started working with Jay separately and together to kind of, I mean, there's a lot that goes into quitting your day job and going into the mindset of a creative entrepreneur. And you really helped us navigate those waters together. So thank you for that.
2: Absolutely. It was my pleasure. You're still my fastest up, my fastest getting up and going entrepreneurs. I don't know how to say that very well, but of all the entrepreneurs that I have coached into creating their own businesses, businesses, you and Tara went the fastest in terms of it was that chalkboard goodness.
0: Oh, so you guys, so so we use the chalkboard big time and that, so just to explain what this is, the chalkboard method is um, something that we use in our business. If you've been listening to the podcast, if you've been following Braid Creative and our blog, you know about the chalkboard. A lot of you are already doing it. That comes straight from Jay Pryor. So what the chalkboard is, Jay, why don't you explain what the chalkboard is?
2: Well, I'm going to count on the fact that your listeners are going to be savvy because the thing about this concept is that you already had it, right? You were already involved in the law of attraction and knowing about creating space. And essentially what we did is we talked about how the universe abhors a vacuum. And so that if we make space for something anywhere in the universe – When space is made, it gets filled in. It's just an automatic – it's a law of the universe. It's just how it happens. And so what we did was we created space. We, You did the chalkboard on the wall. I asked you to do a display, and I remember vividly asking you to create a display that had a list of your current clients – and then spaces for new ones to come in, so that that way we had the space created and they would just show up. And I think you had it done that afternoon and sent me a picture of it, yeah, <laughs> something and, and like the that. Number of
0: clients that we had. So basically, what happened was Tara and I had started braid we had launched three months in, we were hearing crickets chirping. Like we had this big launch and then nothing. So I'm sure that there are plenty of you out there feeling this way too. So whenever we were talking to Jay about it, he was like, you need to make space for clients. And we were like, what are you talking about? And he was, you know, said the the universe of a vacuum and you told us to get a poster board, but I right, had anything. Yeah, anything, but I anything. had a big chalkboard wall painted on my wall. And so I made 12, 12, 12 empty spaces. And it was so um, nerve wracking to actually see what felt like a failure in front of my face of like a zero client list. Um, And then within a week that that list was filled up. So I believe in it. We still use the chalkboard to this day. We'll include a link to um, exactly how we do that in the show notes. It's also in our e-course now. But that comes from Jay, and I I trust. I do that
2: with every single client. If there's a way that they they can see a display, and and if they work on teams, so the whole team can see it, I ask any just make a display. It doesn't matter if it's a piece of poster board. If it's a, it doesn't matter what it is, but it's got to be a space. You need to be able to create a space so that new people can come in and fill in that space. It works every time.
0: Um, and that, I think that's the trick too, because a lot of people are like, oh, well, I have a spreadsheet on my computer. I right. think it really no, has to be, to be a it. physical thing that you are seeing. Mm-hmm, I agree. Um, Emily ended up doing the chalkboard. Emily, what what has your experience been with the chalkboard and do you still do it? Um, I, it, it didn't move with
1: us whenever we moved the studio, but it's something that I have felt missing in my studio. So I did it. And, um, and it was, it it was definitely something that made me much more mindful about working for clients or finding new clients, knowing that I had this space and, um, and it gave the whole team this really great visual of what it was we were working for and really what my job was (laughs) like selling projects and filling these blanks. Um, and it and it didn't move with us, and I miss it, like I'm sitting here right now as you're saying this, thinking, "Oh, I could put one right there, and I could look at it, look at it every time I sit down because I think there's time to say for for making space for clients and um, I did it, I loved it,
0: so that brings us to kind of a lot of things that you taught me, Jay, around manifesting, and I think that I already kind of had this innate skill for manifesting, but you helped Absolutely. me. Um, get kind of clarity around how to really harness that power. So I would love to talk about like manifesting what you want. And I want to talk about abundance and um, prosperity and maybe even the difference between the two and how to get into an abundant mindset, how to uh, kick scarcity in the ass. Like, let's just jam on that.
2: Okay. Well, um, In terms of manifesting, I think the most important thing is to get yourself in a vibe of being able to manifest. And that's understanding that, you know, being driven isn't the vibe that manifests is important for entrepreneurs. Because I think that what, especially if being driven is your default mode, you know, being determined, those kind of things, those are all great qualities. And all of us assume and think, and I think we've been trained in our uh Western culture to believe that being driven and being determined is the way to massively produce, but the reality is those are not vibrations that really attract i mean those those are you can, if you feel the energy of determination and i mean you can even you know being driven those things there's resistance there right it feels like you want to shake your fists because i'm so determined when really what you want to be is open and positive and you know happy and you know i've got a client right now who's just told me that one of the things she's very clear about is that she's not supposed to be doing anything but just having a great time (laughs) and and she's doing that and it's really working for her stuff's just coming to her because she's getting into a, a vibe of just being true to herself and doing what is calling to her and that is forwarding her business way more than getting down and being driven and being determined. So I think the first thing is to understand that it's all about vibration. It's all about how you feel. You can't be pissed off and freaked out and expect stuff to start coming your way. You know, you want to get yourself and do whatever that takes. And that's why for it's it's different for everybody. And depending on your past and all the things you might need to have shake loose. Um, there may be some work to do, but you really want to shed yourself of anything that uh, keeps you in that f- little bit freaked out, driven, and uh, you know that scared and scarcity are like the same word. Basically, and when you're coming from a place of scarcity, you're coming from scared, you're coming from fear, and that doesn't serve you in terms of what you want to attract. So, really, creating abundance is about getting into that place where you're already feeling the abundance in terms of being grateful for what you already have already feeling powerful and fantastic, and then stuff just starts to flow in. Does that make sense, I hope?
0: Totally. One of the metaphors I love for thinking about prosperity and abundance is that abundance is like a lake, and you can fill that lake up, but you have to have a source, right? Right. So I like to think of prosperity as kind of the stream feeding into the lake, Mm -hmm. right? And then... There are different things that can cut off that stream of prosperity. There are things that can make that lake go stale. So I I think a lot about prosperity and abundance in terms of money because that's just an easy sure. um, measurement of energy, right? So one of the things that I really like to do to really tap into prosperity and abundance, well, there's two things. One is I like to support other creatives. I like to spend my money – um, in places that I support. And I feel like that starts the flow a little bit. It kind of gets some of the stagnant water out so that there's room for fresh, um, abundance and prosperity. And then another thing that I like to do is focus on, and everyone's heard me say this before as well, is focus on just making a hundred dollars today. I think that so many of us are so focused on creating the six figure business, that we lose sight of the first small step, which might be just make $100 a hundred dollars today. And sometimes I find even that taps the flow of prosperity a little bit more than really focusing on how am I going to make my millions?
2: Absolutely. And it's those baby steps that then keep adding on that, you know, it's powerful. I like your analogy of the stream. I heard somebody gave me one recently that I'm really using and I'm a fan of myself. And that's that the universe is like a sunbeam always on you. And the only thing blocking it is when you put up the umbrella and you're the one with the umbrella and that you just have to figure out what is it that I'm doing that I'm blocking it because it's always there. It's not like, you know, it's something you have to go find. It's always there. We just have to tap into it. And you know, sometimes I'm in the flow, and sometimes I'm not. (laughs) So, what I have to do is not make it wrong when I'm not. I mean, the biggest thing, and you know this, is my my very first coaching principle is whatever is happening, stop making it wrong, so that then something can be possible. Because what we have a tendency to do as humans is whatever is happening, if it's not you know exactly how we want it to be, we make it wrong, we should all over ourselves, and then that just makes it worse. Instead of just getting that, oh, you know life is fun this could be fun this could be an adventure it could be look at what can I learn from this thing coming at me right now and not make it wrong but get in the inquiry around how is this serving me because down the road you're going to look back and go oh no wonder I had that challenge because it was exactly the thing I needed to learn to be able to be where I am right
0: now yeah but sometimes those challenges suck
2: (laughs) they do suck sometimes (laughs) they do suck sometimes (laughs) That is true.
0: <laughs> I mean, sometimes they just straight up suck. And I, think oh, that I agree with you. Sometimes what I love I about coaching, especially with you, is that we can talk about how much it sucks and then laugh yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, as a coach, I mean, one of the things that I know that um, some coaches err on the side of never, ever, ever giving agreement to their clients. I, I'm not that guy. I mean, I mean, if you're having a situation that just flat out sucks, I'm going to acknowledge that it sucks. And that it's painful. And sometimes all you can do is hold onto your ass and, you know, wait, pull the covers over your head and wait for tomorrow um, to be powerful. Because I think as humans, we need to process those things through us. And if we don't, we deny them. Then they get stuck in our bodies and stuck inside us. And then they're, it just, again, it just makes it worse.
0: That brings us to a principle that your voice is always in my head, but I always think about you saying what you resist persists.
2: What you resist persists. Yeah. And that's a difficult distinction for people to get. I try to have, have them get the energy because for me, resistance can show up like anger. It can show up like, you know it always occurs for me when i can have a visual of it as me pushing back like resisting pushing pushing something away from me but i can be resisting and not even know it a lot and so i think that becoming flexing your muscle around being someone who understands that you're resisting um is a really powerful tool and you know it's a muscle that not not many people have a huge muscle around that it's one that i'm i continue to flex for myself all the time of not letting myself trick myself into thinking I'm not resisting, <laughs> that, I'm, right. that I'm being an accept because I'll I'll be resisting something and I won't even know it. But I've gotten better and better at feeling the energy of my words, feeling the energy and the tenacity with with which I speak about something, or how right or passionate I get about stuff can be resistance. Um, but it's a that's a, a tricky one to get your arms around. But it's very powerful when you can start to understand what resistance feels like each of us feels like for their own body
0: with the (laughs) creatives that you've worked with
2: (laughs) what's funny about that yeah
0: well let's let's dig in a little bit more so (laughs) with the creatives that you've worked with and you can even use me as an example and anything that we've done coaching, spilled the beans
1: on kathleen
0: (laughs) what are some things that maybe you recognize that i was resisting that i couldn't even see if anything comes to mind or just creatives, creative entrepreneurs in general, like what's some, what's an example of some of that resistance, um, and that persistence. And
2: well, there's this world of illusion that people get into about their own stories, that there's the truth, right. And they don't. And, and at some point there's a switch that flips but depending on how dug in and how much resistance there is and how much evidence they have gathered that this is a truth, or depending on how much of it resonates with their b s or their belief system, in my book that's coming out this fall i I refer to the your belief system as your b s because it's a lot of bullshit too <laughs> and, and and it'll stop you from stuff. I mean, it really does. And I would assert, I mean the last thing I would think if you want me to go recent would be, you know, I am constantly hammering to you, listen to the words that are coming out of your mouth.
1: Amen. And if you really <laughs> listen to
2: the words that are coming <laughs> out of your mouth, they're going to tell you what's going on. And yet, because it seems like so much the truth or because there's so much there, we don't always see that. And it has, it's just been recently, I would say, if you want me to tell one on you, Kathleen, if you're really up for that, I think it's just been recently that you have gotten that you're speaking around being a mom and integrating that into creative has stunk it up for like the last three months or whatever. And you've been buying your own crap around it. You know, you'll speak it. It's like, I manifest this, but this sucks. And I don't have anything to do with creating that. You know what I mean? It's like, we create (laughs) all of it with our words. And just recently, I think you've really gotten a breakthrough around how you speak about being a mom, how how that, you know, like, uh, don't you think
0: so? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's definitely been a challenge from the get-go for me is yeah. being an entrepreneur and being a mom. And, um, I just, and I could hear the words coming out of my mouth and I was, I'm sick of it. And I even talked about on the <laughs> podcast, like how tired I am and how sleep deprived I am. I get so sick of myself. And so one of the things that you told me, um, but I, it's like, I can't help it. It just comes yeah, out. Well, Cause
2: it's the truth for you right now. It's so real for totally. you. That's the thing that I, that I, do my best to have compassion around because i think when when it's time and when you're ready you'll transform it and that's one of the things that i for you in particular i can always count on you that i know you're going to transform it eventually like you're going to figure it out and all of us have to do that but it's so elusive sometimes i've done it to myself i mean and you and i have this in common when i first became a dad for me it was not what i what i thought it was going to be you know there was the sleep deprivation and the poop and the snot and all the crap that I hated. It was just (laughs) terrible. And I didn't, you know, I just wasn't prepared for all of that. And I caught myself speaking things like, I hate this. I hate being a dad. What the hell did I do? I ruined my life, things like that. Mm -hmm. And I had to manage myself in, I mean, moment by moment. And that's when I came up with understanding too for myself that I had to constantly forgive myself because I was constantly having to correct my language and put myself back on track and forgive myself when I wasn't being powerful and fantastic all the time with my kids. And I mean, that's when I really got that for me, I had to give up perfectionism, go with progress, not perfection, and really come from that place of 100% constant forgiveness because otherwise I was going to tank myself because it was too stressful.
0: Yeah, because, like, I found that one of the emotions that keeps coming up for me around being a mom and a working mom especially is kind of feeling bad for feeling bad. Yeah. You know, and so then it just is compounded. So not only do I have bad feelings, I feel guilty for having bad feelings. Right. So it compounds it. So it goes back to you saying not making it wrong. And not making it wrong that, yes, this sucks but also noting that I can be impeccable with my words, which is something that you really feel strongly about. And that comes from um, Dan Miguel Ruiz. His Don Miguel Ruiz. Oh, sorry, the, Don the Miguel agreements. Ruiz, um, The Four Agreements. So can you talk a little bit about being impeccable with your word? It also is something that um, Florence Scovel Shin, who you're a mm-hmm. fan of. I'm
2: a huge fan. Um,
0: she I has a book her. called Your Word is Your Wand. And that's something mm-hmm. that you had me read early on. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit.
2: Well, I'm like one of the most militant about this because I'm seriously, I believe that our words are the link to our subconscious about what's going on with us. And if we would just really listen to the words, it will, it will give us all the clues to our underlying limiting beliefs about ourselves and when you're impeccable with your word you'd be very very conscious about the words that you're speaking and making sure that you're not speaking words that don't match with who you want to be in the world and the vision that you have for your life not that that's you can be perfect at that again but it's to have that commitment is very very powerful and it will keep you from saying things and committing to things that you really aren't interested in doing and committing to and you know just like I want to back up for a second because one of the things that you just said about being a mom that I think women deal with all the time, especially, and I think all parents kind of do, but especially women, is you're supposed to love that whole deal. Like, you're (laughs) supposed to love that, right? I mean, there is some unwritten rule that we are supposed to just, oh, the little bundle of joy, don't we love them, you know? And the reality is some of us don't. (laughs) And some moms don't. And But then you feel guilty because not only do you have your own stuff going on, but then you have the whole cultural conversation telling you that you're bad and wrong for feeling that way. And so I think it really takes something. That's one of the reasons I love that you and I have this in common and we've both shared with people about this because I think it's a conversation people really need to have. I think there's a lot of people out there hating their life being a parent and they won't admit it because, you know, and by stuffing that, that causes more resistance and then it causes it to persist. You know what I mean? I think that they could transform it, and I have certainly transformed my my life as a parent um, and my conversations around being a parent by being impeccable with my word, paying attention to the things that I speak, and really speaking and even praying for the um, the willingness to see it through a lens that would have me enjoy it, because the lens that I have had on it was about being stressed out and not being good enough. And it came from a source of, from some of my own limiting belief systems. I mean, I remember the day that I realized that my son was imitating me. And one of my first thought was, why would you want to be like me? And I had to check myself like, Oh my God, like, look at that. Like, Seriously, Jay? <laughs> like, you, uh, uh, you, you, there's more to transform <laughs> around my own self-worth and how much I value myself because I was just, I was taken aback, um, when I thought that and I had that thought, but it really gave me an insight. And I think a lot of parents have that insight that they hate themselves and then their children start imitating them and it's right in front of them and they got to deal with that. And that's intense.
0: Whew. Yeah. That's I love
1: how you I you just totally went into something that I wanna talk about. And but before I do that, the the talk about being a parent there's a direct parallel there to like building a business and uh-huh. like as a parent i get it i'm totally there i'm one of those moms that did not love it <laughs> but totally love love it now so much more um as she's gotten older and um stops pooping herself it's right great things happen once <laughs> they're potty trained um But there is a, there is a direct parallel there with, with growing a business and, and you feel like you should love this thing because you're working so hard for it. You're putting your heart and soul into it. And then you sit down one day and you're like, I don't want to fucking do this today.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I fucking hate this. Yes.
1: Yes. It's, it's such a, such a hard thing for all of us to deal with. And especially if you are a parent who's, who has a business, it's like, Mm times two which is really great Um, but you just you just hit on something that I really want to talk about um, in terms of self-worth and worthiness because one of the things that I know I find whenever whenever working with my clients and something we talk about in terms of of um you know quitting a day job to go into your side hustle or trying to figure out what you're going to charge for your products and services um or or simply being okay with the good things that start happening to you once your business takes off it all comes down to um to your own sense of worthiness so I'd, I'd love to hear you sort of jam on that for a second because I know that it's something that I struggle with it's something that all of my clients struggle with and um talk us out of it.
2: <laughs> okay. Well, first I want to back up for a second because I want to address what you said earlier about the parallel to the business because mm-hmm. I think not only is that true when you start a business, but I mean I've been in business for 10 years and I'm still I still hit phases of not the not the business or what I do cuz I love. I mean, I just am freaked out that I get to do what I do, but there are aspects of the business that I don't want to do that I'm not ready. I'm not it's like as you're building a business and you're and you get to the point where okay, it's obvious for me for like for that as the business owner it may not serve me to be doing this admin piece for example but right now there's nothing in the budget to pay somebody else to do that so i got to do it <laughs> that part sucks and <laughs> you know that's the piece that it's like again you you have to deal with that over and over again as i'm supposed to love this and then when but when you're focused what what you focus on gets bigger which is something we always talk about And when you're focused on all those details that you hate, that's when you got to really – got to shift your focus in your business and be focused on and spend especially your happiest part of the day focused on making a difference and who you're making a difference for so that you can have – be all filled up to deal with that monotonous crap we all have to deal with as business owners as well. So I just wanted to say that. But then I believe – and this is – like I said, I do have a book coming out this – um, fall and the whole the time this air is actually it'll be out the whole premise for me of writing this book is that i believe every single person has an i'm not good enough conversation i believe every single person has an i'm unworthy conversation
0: even beyonce
2: i do i do in fact <laughs> I literally
0: talked about beyonce to my therapist i was like <laughs> she was like even beyonce has haters
2: oh yeah (laughs) but even beyonce has a doesn't beyonce have a persona that she puts on when she performs
0: sasha fierce
2: thank you okay so sasha she needs sasha fierce because beyonce doesn't think she's probably good enough or doesn't have you know what i mean there's something out that going on there that like she needs sasha fierce she has to put on a persona you know to give her the confidence to be that bold she's pretty bold And I think all of us have some level of I'm not good enough. And, you know, I mean, I look at somebody like Kathleen, I'm like, where the hell is that in her? Right. (laughs) But I know it's there. Like, I don't I'm not fooled. I know it's there. It's somewhere in there. And some people have it, you know, better than others. People who have a, you know, pretty traumatic background. Obviously, they're going to it's depending on what your past is. You know, it can go deeper than other people. But I think just being a human being and the fact that we, when we come into this planet, we come onto this earth plane, we, as babies, are connected to everything. Right? And we have that experience of being connected. And I've heard parents tell me that they've watched their children experience that separation. Right? Have you seen that, Kathleen? With Fox?
0: With Fox, it, him. Um,
2: like when he noticed that he was separate from you? <laughs> because babies no, don't get that, I, right? I they I just don't... think they're connected to everything. Everybody, get, you know, people just feed them, they're connected. And then at some point, we get that separation.
0: He's and so I would connected. assert that
2: that separation is when we get that I'm not like, something's wrong here. I'm not, there's, what am I, you know? And then how that manifests for some people is I'm not worthy or I'm not good at it. But I think everybody has it. And then that's why for me, grounding ourselves in what I call yourself or your self-evolved, I call it your self-evolved loving friend or your spiritually evolved loving friend, that piece of you that is connected to all there is, that piece of you that's intuitive, that piece of you that always has the right answer, that always wants to show up as loving and kind, feeding that part of you is part of the answer to eliminating that unworthiness. But I think everybody has it.
1: Good. I liked that. Thank you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well, and hold on a minute. But one of the other, other yeah. thing I gotta say, because yeah, I say this know, all the time, I think women get it just by virtue of being born without a penis.
0: Let's talk about
2: that. <laughs> Ooh, yes, I honestly believe that women are trained into believing they are less than less than because they are born penisless.
0: And. Can we talk about Agreed. can we talk about how you were born without a yes. penis?
2: Yes. <laughs> I was born without a penis, so I know that. <laughs> um I am a transgender person and lived for the first 34 years of my life as a woman. I would say around 27 28 I started going by Jay and he and was passing as a man some, but I didn't start my transition to have my body look like this until I was 34, almost 35 years old. And what happened to me is that I took the shots of testosterone because, for me, that was like a soul journey. It was like I wanted to have my face match who my soul represented. But I was so naive and clueless about that I would be handed heterosexual privilege and white male privilege. (laughs) And when I got handed white male privilege, it shocked the crap out of me. I was like, holy smokes. I mean, men saying uh, uh, objectifying women in front of me. As though I'm on their team. I'm like, what the hell? Are you kidding me? (laughs) Um, uh, Service people, not looking the woman I'm with in the eye, but directly talking to me and not even addressing her, even though she's the one that's just placed the order. All kinds of things like that. Um, Showing up, I was in the same job. So I was a director of project management in a furniture dealership. So I was working uh, on construction sites, installing furniture right after construction. When I was a woman, or if I was viewed as a woman, sometimes I was still passing, but if I was viewed as a woman, there was never a time that we had a punch list or a layout or a a, a meeting that somebody wasn't wasn't second guessing me or questioning how what I knew. And then I walk in with a beard, and all of a sudden I'm a freaking expert. It does, you know. I mean, it, it shocked me so much that I I, t- I tell this story. I would have to remember not to second guess myself because I was so used to being second guessed that. And so shocked by not being a second guess that I'm one of those people, and Kathleen knows this, I'm, everything's all over my face. So the shocked look on my face, <laughs> <laughs> I, I would monitor to myself, I'm a man, I'm a man, I'm a man, I'm a man, I'm a man. So I would remember that they are, resp- they are responding to what they see as a man. I haven't changed. I just, my face looks different. But they are responding to what they think is a man. And so that's how they're going to respond to me. And I got to remember that so I don't be shocked by it (laughs) because I was shocked by it so much that I was like, what the, are you kidding me? Like, is that different really? And it is. And so I honestly believe that women are, and I even, I catch myself doing it all the time. I first started my seminars. I called them the oxygen seminars. And I was about putting the oxygen mask on yourself first. Right. And I would say this. We and I'm t- and I'm talking to women, right? I'm, t- I'm embarrassed to say it, but it's true. I would say I want you to put the oxygen mask on yourself first, so then you can serve from a place of love, right? Because then you can serve all filled up. You'll be all filled up, and then you do that, right? I had been do- saying this for an entire year before my good friend and also women empowerment uh, coach and author. Um, I don't know if she's a coach, but she's definitely an author and leader in women's empowerment. Aaron Brown. Good friend of mine says to me, Jay, you would never say that to a guy. And I'm like, wait a minute. What? You would never say to a guy, go shoot a couple of rounds of golf so you can serve from a place of love. I was like, oh my God, see, I'm doing it too. We all do it. It's the water we swim in that women are just, you know, women, you get your self-esteem from how the family's doing and your relationship to the family. You are, you're here to serve (laughs) all of that crap that we are handed. And it's so the water we swim in that we don't even know we're doing it. And I of all people should technically, I don't should on myself, but should have the awareness because I live in it and I've seen it happen. And yet I go unconscious. I haven't took that challenge where you're not supposed to say something. Don't say anything about a a girl or woman's looks for 24 hours. I lasted about four hours with my daughter. About Uh, four hours. It was ridiculous. I mean, it's that kind of stuff that we just, it's just how it is. And so we don't think about it. But I really believe that we, as a culture, treat women like they are less than just because they were born (sighs) penisless.
0: Yeah,
1: I agree. (laughs) I completely agree. I grew up, um, I grew up in a, a super Christian household where women were certainly not as much as men. And it's something that, that I have sincerely struggled with over the past couple of years, especially as I have taken on the role as, as, as boss of my business, which is, you know, a family business, my partner, David, um, is my business manager, but it's mine. And so going into my business with all of that and knowing that um, I was having to step up, which shouldn't have been stepping up. It should have just been stepping out, right. basically, right. Um, has, has been a really big struggle of mine and is something that I know working with women entrepreneurs is is a huge thing for us to, to, to have to get over on so many fronts. And, um, you know, I've, I've read books about like the, um, the, um, Salary differences of, oh, of yeah. men and women, and how the basis of that is that women don't ask for raises. It's not even that it's not even that they start out lower or that they're not offered as much. It's that they don't ask for it. Do you know um, that the there's only one
2: do. country in the world that doesn't have salary disparagement, and that's Iceland, and that's because the women went on strike.
1: Oh, ladies,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's all, amazing. Of them, all
2: of them. All of them. They you should. You
0: absolutely should. Oh. I just read something from Danielle Laporte yesterday mm-hmm. in my email inbox. Jay, do you follow her? <laughs> I'm a fan right I think you might like her. Um, but she wrote something about kind of having integrity around money and being a woman. And one of the things she said is if you're a woman and you run a business, hire women and pay them really well. Um, Or pay them as well as you can, and then be generous as you can. So that's something that I apply into my own business. And even right now, Liz, our brand manager, brand director, um, is in labor. Yeah. (laughs) I know. By the time this airs, she's had the baby. But um, I'm giving her the same maternity leave that I gave myself, which was pretty generous by America's standards, which is eight weeks paid. Um, so for being a small business, it's definitely a stretch for us, but it's worth it to me. And I think that it's the way that I can be a feminist in my business. Um, so yeah, it's important, but I want to go back Jay to kind of talking about, um, especially, well, where did we even get started on this? So one of the things that you always say... And and I remember because I started working with you, I didn't know that you used to be a woman. Oh, right. and um And one of the things that you would always say is, if you can see it, it's yours. Like, if you can see what you want, it is making its way toward you and that you can transform and change into anything. And then I remember once... Um, I did learn that you used to be a woman. You were like, oh, I used like that. Talk about the power of transformation yeah. whenever you are transforming your entire gender. And I, I just want to say for the record to you, for everyone listening, Jay is a dude and he's a hot dude. I'm just going to say it. Um, he's like <laughs> well, full same. beard. Are you blushing? <laughs> he's a like, I don't um, like, consider myself beard, a dude, like, but just straight up man. So, it's just funny because it's something that I never really think about, but whenever whenever it does come to you, times whenever you're pointing out things that might be because I'm a woman, especially around parenting and being a mom boss, um it's cool because you know you've had these experiences also, like you know what it's like to get your period you know you know what it's like to experience sexism you know what it's like to have all these things but I think what's also cool is that you can also see things now from a man's perspective and we've talked about this before like literally once you started taking hormones I asked you like did your train of thought change like how did it change your thinking um, but yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit more about how if you can see it, it's yours and the power of visualization and and grabbing that.
2: Yeah, and I don't even you know, I do think that there's an end game that you want to have a sort of a vision of, but I also know that I don't I want you to let go of the how and focus on the wow um, because once you can see it and you start taking baby te- baby steps toward it, you don't want to be so attached to how it looks in particular. Because it will show up way more fantastic than you can imagine if you, if you let go a little bit. But I do believe that you have to have some sense of vision and I've been with people where if they're in that world and this is where I was stuck for a while. I have this story where at some point I was incredibly happy in my life all except for my career. Everything was great. I was you know Jessica and I had just been married. I was married to the love of my life. I was living in the d c area I love my life i I even enjoyed the job in terms of the flexibility and the pay it was really good money um, and uh you know real great flexibility I was a director level position in a company and I was doing really well but i had give i could give a crap about furniture and uh I was walking along with one of my coaches and complaining. And, you know, if you hang out with coaches, they don't let you complain much. I was complaining. <laughs> I, and she said to me these words I'll never forget. She said, Jay Pryor, for as powerful a person as you are, you need to give up that complaint or do something about it. And I right off the top of my head said, well, if I knew what I wanted to do, I'd do it. And she immediately said to me, you need to give that up. And I was like, uh, give up that I don't know what I want to do. And then it dawned on me that she was absolutely right, that I had to give up, that I didn't know what I wanted to do. Because as long as you stay in that, I don't know what I want, that's what you're going to get. Again, whatever you speak comes out of your mouth, will give you the experience of your life. And so in that moment, I promised myself that I would stop saying, I don't know what I want. And instead I started saying, what I want is on its way. And I'm determined to figure it out. And within a few weeks, I started at least being able to say, I know what I want my life to look like. I don't want to work for other people. I want to make a difference for people. I want to be able to do my job from anywhere. And a couple of months later, you know, the word life coach was mentioned to me. I was like, holy smokes. I mean, I knew exactly what that was, what I wanted to be. Um, And I figured it out. Um, And I didn't, all I had was a little bit of a vision for that. Like I knew, but then I could start seeing the 25 feet in front of me. And Jack Canfield, you know, says this in his book, The Success Principles, which I highly recommend that everybody get and just keep it on your shelf because that's like a success Bible. If you just pull out the success principles and you open it anywhere and point and do what it says to do, <laughs> something will shift for you. Because, I mean, the guy is – I mean, he's hes a brilliant coach. Um, but one of the things he talks about is sometimes you can only see – it's like you're driving. Um, I'm in the Midwest, so as, as I was driving down I-70, headed to Colorado from Kansas. I know I'm going to hit Colorado, but I can't see Colorado, obviously. I can only see 25 feet in front of me. And so what I know is that action brings the clarity, right? Action always brings clarity. And so if you can see a little bit, you have a, a, a vision for a little bit, of it. then you start getting an action, action continues to bring the clarity. You just stay in action towards that direction. Sometimes you'll, you know, hit a side road or stop at a truck stop, but you're going to end up in Colorado <laughs> if you stay on the road. So the things are, if you can see it, you can have it. Start taking baby steps towards it. But the other thing is, as long as you don't quit, you'll hit, you'll get there.
1: Hi guys, Emily here with a bit of a confession. I may be a total boss and even have a geography degree in my pocket, but I suck at time zones couldn't tell you the number of times I've showed up an hour late or early for client meetings because I simply cannot wrap my head around who's an hour ahead, who's an hour behind, and what that even means. And bless my soul when I book an international client. My calendar wrangler, Chris, cannot glare at me enough. That is until we started using Acuity Scheduling to set meetings with our clients at Indie Shopography. Their automatic time zone detection and conversion has saved my goat more than once, and I'm grateful that I never again have to laugh off my geographic incompetence or apologize for being late ever again. Schedule clients without sacrificing your soul. Sign up for your free trial of Scheduling Sanity at acuityscheduling.com slash beanboss. Now let's get back at it.
0: You know, um, one of the things that we talk about a lot is confidence. And mm-hmm. a lot of creative entrepreneurs struggle with confidence. And so as you were talking about action bringing clarity, I, I was starting to think you could almost interchange the words clarity and confidence. Like, I think having clarity oh, is having confidence.
2: I agree. I agree. And action And action will also build confidence. And The more you do something, I mean, we know that as entrepreneurs, and as an entrepreneur, God, how many times have I had um, the feeling or thought, oh, here's something I've never done before. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Well, even this, this is this interview. I've never been interviewed for podcasts. podcast. This is the first time I've ever done this. That, now, this doesn't bring true? me... Angst. I this think is so. yeah. this your
0: first podcast? I
2: think so. Well, Try to
0: yeah, We're I popping so. your podcast chair. You are. You yeah. are.
2: I'm I'm uh uh yeah. long story. Uh anyway, I won't go there. Um, <laughs> I was gonna talk about Rocky Horror Picture Show. I'm a virgin with Rocky Horror Picture Show and I'm going to see tomorrow, so I'm wait, having a big virgin week. Wait, uh, <laughs> wait. Yeah, I've never seen it. I know, it makes me not gay. It's like a whole thing. Been, I might get kicked out of queer <laughs> community for saying that. But being, a, I'm 49 years old and I still haven't seen Rocky Horror, there's something wrong there.
0: <laughs> Wait, so are you going to dress up? Who are you going as?
2: I, I don't know. I just, we're going to go tomorrow night, so I haven't thought about where I was going to dress up. Or well,
0: not. you have to like wear something.
2: No, yeah. I, I hear that Jessica? I could just wear a bathrobe and a bath somebody will. Bathroom. And that's okay. Perfect. There's somebody. Yeah, so, um, I'm not sure. We haven't gotten that far, but let's go back okay. to the whole um, doing it for the first time conversation. When I first started as an entrepreneur, that was one of the first words that I also had to start watching for myself because I caught myself saying, I don't know what I'm doing. And that feels, it feels like that, right? When you're doing stuff for the first time as an entrepreneur, it feels like, I don't know what I'm doing. But if you continue to say to yourself, I don't know what I'm doing, and especially with the energy that I had, it was like, well, hell, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, who the hell am I to be doing this? I don't know what I'm doing. And I would say that to myself and I had to make myself stop. It was I remember one of the first, it was another one of the things and throughout my life, there's been tons and tons of them, but phrases that I catch myself saying and being like, you're not allowed to speak that anymore. Just stop speaking it. Stop saying it. And so I made myself stop saying, I don't know what I'm doing. And now when I have that feeling of discomfort because I'm doing something new, I just, you know, kind of give myself a little pat and the chest and I say, it's okay. You've never done this before. It's all right. Chill out. It's just, everybody feels scared when they haven't done it before. But once you get in action and you do it again, you've done it, you know, it's not the first time you've done it, then you've got some confidence around it. So I agree that you could interchange. You know, action provides clarity, and action also provides confidence. Just getting an action gives you more and more confidence every time you do it.
0: You know, one of the things that I think about a lot is that we're just all figuring it out, and no one ever really has the answer. I And I especially think this now being a mom and having a little kid is I remember being a little kid and looking at grownups and thinking that they have all the answers and they have it all figured out. The truth is we're all just kind of a bunch of kids Still running around in grown-up bodies, we're all figuring it out, and so um, I think you know it's it's kind of a fun human experience. Like you said, like whenever it feels like a game, and you can look at it like a game and just yeah. play the game and right. figure it out, it's so so good. One thing I want to talk about is transforming um, fear or those feelings of scared into feelings of excitement. And yeah. whenever you were talking about doing this for the first time and kind of saying, I don't know what I'm doing versus I'm figuring this out is kind of transforming fear into excitement. And think about like what happens even physiologically, whenever you're afraid and whenever you're excited in your body, they feel exactly the That's same.
2: It. Yeah. Yeah. And the body is only going to, and that's the thing about the body. The body is responding to the synapse in your brain. So if you give a different, it's always the story, right? So it's 99% story and 1% what's actually happening. So it really depends on the story that you're telling yourself about what's happening that gives you the experience of it. So the thrill of being an entrepreneur versus the fear of being an entrepreneur, they can be the same. You just got to switch your language. That's why, again, I'm always hammering, watch your language. Because how you speak about it and how you share it with other people, too. Like, you know, it's so interesting to me because we have a culture that loves victims and we love to, like, oh, you, oh, that's so hard for you. That's blah, 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 you poor baby, all that crap. Yeah. And it's like, if we could, I really do my best to lift people up and listen to them and hear them tell me a story that they're afraid about and then say, Couldn't, wow, that's so exciting. Like, let's talk about what's possible because you're taking that on and not give them the juice of, oh, you poor baby, that's so hard. Because I think that's, you know, our brains love that. I, you know me, I always say that people love to roll around in negativity like dogs rolling stank. So, we love that stuff. It's true. It's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, humans love it.
0: Uh, one right? of the things that I think about whenever I think about you, Jay, is um, your ability to live in integrity. Um, so I want to talk about that a little bit. And I actually want to share a personal story that you coached me through recently. Uh, and Jay and I have been working together for years, but, um, and this is the first time I had to text you and say, I, I need you just for 15 minutes. It's the first time it's ever happened. And it was around wanting to, whether or not I should, um, quit a project that I had ventured on. And I just didn't know what had the most integrity. So I had your voice in my head, like do what isn't, what has integrity. And I thought what had integrity was to stick with the project and maybe even for a year and see it through. And I called you up and, um, and you were in between meetings, you are just given a talk at a university and you were about to like, maybe go get on a plane to go out to LA. Oh, because, um, dance moms, like Jay's story was featured on dance moms. But anyway, so you were getting on like a plane to go to LA, I think. So anyway, um, you said, okay, that might have integrity to the project to stick with it. But what what is the thing that you can do with the most integrity for yourself? Like, how do you keep the integrity for yourself? And then I was like, oh, it's to quit. To have integrity for myself is to quit. So can we, let's talk a little bit about that. Like, let's talk a little bit about just integrity and what that means to you.
2: Yeah. In my coaching school, which I'm a coach you graduate, um, One of the things I, one of my favorite things about them, uh, in terms of their distinctions in definitions is they say, they say that each person defines their own integrity. And I love that because, uh, before that my training had always been, this is integrity and that's not an integrity. (laughs) I didn't like it. it. It did not resonate with me. Um, so when I got that each person, uh, defines their own integrity, then that made more sense to me, and it, it all goes back to that higher self piece. Is like what is, what is going to be an integrity for me um, isn't the same as being integrity for you, and I think that that's very, very valid. And so when – and when I say being an integrity, what I'm talking about is having your life be workable. Right. Integrity is about workability. It's about putting in systems in place and having you show up powerfully and be impeccable with your word and, you know, not having, I, I, as a coach and, you know, Kathleen, I know you're a coach and you put yourself out there as a leader. So I hold you to a high standard of integrity because we said we wanted to do that. Right. We put ourselves on the hook for that. And I believe me, I, I'm not below whining to my coach once in a while. And it hasn't been that long ago that she's like, look, you asked for this. You always have to take the high road. You always have to take the high road. I don't get to, you know, be snivelly and, and make people wrong because they're not doing what I want them to do. Cause I said that I would be coach and as coach, I always have to take the high road. That's my integrity, but that doesn't mean that that, that's the same for everybody else. And so integrity for me is just about workability, and having a strong personal foundation in our lives so that then we don't have to worry about all that stuff. We can jump off into this huge expanse of life that, you know, one of my requests of you always is have a life so big you can't keep track of it in your head, right? Have your life be so expansive. Check, and out there. Yeah, you can't keep <laughs> track. If you're living a life that you can keep track of in a, in your head, you are playing too small. I want you to live way bigger than that. You got way more energy than that. But having a strong personal foundation or a lot of integrity in your own personal life also allows you to do that. Because if you can't, you know, get into your car because it's so filthy, then how are you gonna, <laughs> how are you gonna keep your mind decluttered? You know, it's like, that's, that's all happening in your heads. So if you wanna be powerful in your life, you wanna have a lot of integrity. And that means, that goes from everything from keeping your car clean to keeping your checkbook balanced to, you know, being integrity with how you treat people and how you respond to things and how you show up in the world. So it's all over the place. Um, But I do think that we all define our own integrity. And I think that what's an integrity for some people isn't the same. And you have to really get to a place. And that's going back to women again and getting clear about what they want and what feels an integrity to them is sometimes a difficult place for me to get them because their whole lives they've been acquiescing and doing what everybody else wants first. And so they don't even know what they want. They don't even know how to act. So they don't even know what's in integrity for them. So it's a little bit of a process to get them to get that and understand that. Did that make sense?
0: Yeah. All right. I want to, sorry, I, I could talk to you for like three hours. So I could talk to you for like a year probably. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit. I just want to give the our audience listening one of the best tools you ever gave me, which is prepaving. Yeah. All right, let's talk about that a little bit. Cause it was something well, that like, we just reminded each other of recently. Right. Or yeah. That, yeah.
2: Cause we can go unconscious, right? And forget some of the stuff that actually works. Um, so pre-paving and I've learned pre-paving from, um, Abraham at law of attraction and I mean, all, Pam Grout. I mean, all the, all I am fortunate to have a, a group. What's called our spiritual entrepreneurs group. And we're all entrepreneurs who use spiritual principles to you know, for our business and the law of attraction in particular. And so we talk about pre-paving a lot and pre-paving is essentially um, when you're going to, when you're going into a meeting, when you're going into anything instead of letting yourself fantasize about how scary it could be, (laughs) you want to do the opposite and on purpose vision that meeting and vision the outcome and how it's going to go and how you're going to be, And how it's gonna go great, and they're gonna they're gonna leave, you know, have an intention that they leave, you know, that you leave with the outcome that you want. And like right now, I am taking 14 women to Mexico next Wednesday, and I was just on a call with them last night, and we started pre-paving our trip, right? And especially with you know, people who would call themselves warriors, one of the things I'm really committed to is having women transform worry into warrior. Like rather than – because women will tell you in a minute, oh, I'm a worrier. You know, oh, I worry all the – I'm a worrier. I worry, worry, worry. I worry all the time. My mom taught me to worry. I'm a worrier. And they wear it like a badge. Like that's something good. That's terrible. Stop that. Basically, when you're worrying, you're creating scenarios in your head that scare the crap out of you on purpose. That's insane. Like, that even make and I've sense. also heard
0: that I've heard that worry is praying for what you don't want to happen. It
2: is. It's like affirming what you don't want. I mean, that's crazy. Why would you do that? So I've been working with women who have that phrase "I'm a worrier" to change it to "I'm a warrior," so that they can start to. Prepave positive things to happen instead of worrying and creating negative scenarios. Start fantasizing about positive things. So for this trip, for example, we started last night on a, on a webinar and I had them all start to think about, okay, we're going to all get to the airport on time. We're going to have plenty of time. Our bags are all going to get there. The airport staff is going to be friendly. We're going to be friendly. You know, it's a three AM flight or something. We got to get their ass cracked on. Nobody's going to sleep in. You know, it's all going to go really smoothly. We're just, we're going to be amazed at how smooth it is. And in fact, some of our conversations are going to be like, "Can you believe with all this travel and all these people coordinated that everything went so smoothly and it was so lovely?" And we just think that and start being in that mode of everybody going there and getting there on time, rather than, "Uh oh, you know, what if I oversleep?" right? You don't want to do that. <laughs> so pre-paving is a powerful tool. I do it all the time. Um, even down to, if you talk about manifesting, parking is something that I've gotten to, you know, I mean, parking is a great way to have fun with manifesting <laughs> yeah. because once you get the vibe of it and you start to understand how it feels, then you can feel it in other things in your life. But parking is so like, it, there's no risk. It's like too big, big deal if you don't win. But for the most part, I don't ever worry about going anywhere. I mean, anywhere. People go, oh, you can't go there. It's so packed, you'll never find a parking space. Yes, I, I will. <laughs> It'll be right up front. It'll be right in the fly. I mean, I'm not going to have to walk more than 20 feet. I just prepave it. And every single time, it's al- almost every time it happens.
0: Yeah. And I think about it every time I park. And yeah. so I was visiting you one time in Lawrence and. I think we were going to go grab beers and we were in the kind of the busier area downtown of Lawrence, which is a cool city by the way. But um I was like, Oh man, and you were like, watch this. We're gonna get a front row parking spot and we totally did. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um and it was Rockstar awesome. parking. Rockstar parking. So I do it now every single time. I prepave parking, but then I yeah. also prepave um experiences. Um just from getting on the podcast, to traveling, to all of it, I try and prepave it now. And I also want to credit you because this is something that has helped a lot of creative entrepreneurs who have listened to the podcast, that turn your light on, like turn on your taxi light. Uh-huh. That also comes from Jay Pryor here. So, Which is, if you're scared, going traveling, or going into a conference, or going into an interview, or even, gosh, going to the bar one night. like All you have to do is just turn on your light, and you don't even have to think about Anything else other than just kind of radiating, and as long as you can do that, everything else is going to follow. And I could, I could, we're gonna have to have you on again because I could spend another (laughs) hour talking about all the stuff that you've taught me, but. A lot of the things that I share here, uh, big credit to you. Pretty much, you and Brene Brown are like two huge influences whenever it comes to the stuff that I practice and the stuff that I preach in yeah. my life and the things that work. So, in terms
2: you. of pre-paving, have you ever talked to your clients about the uh, power pose?
0: Um, no, but I I've watched that TED Talk. Did you? Yeah, like where you get into – Okay, so this is another like kind of man-woman thing. A lot of times women will make themselves smaller. Right. And I mean, gosh, like even we're told to be skinny and diet down and just basically become as small as we can. And um, so this is something that – I don't know if you taught me this but or if it's something that you kind of figured out. But whenever you can't get in the right mindset, if you can just – Pretend as if, or have the behavior as if you were someone who is confident or someone who is not afraid. This mindset will follow, and so that's the power pose thing, right? Yeah, that if yeah, you and do it's a, power a TED pose.
2: Yeah, it's a TED talk by Amy Cuddy at CUDDY, and she talks about body language and she's done the research and she shows you this power pose that essentially the research shows lowers your cortisol and raises your testosterone. And that in and of itself physiologically has you show up more authentic, more confident and they did so many blind all these blind studies and everybody who had done the power pose are the people who got the jobs or' the people who you know scored higher on all, at all these these different interviews and, and, and meetings. and I just find it fascinating. So I always have my clients and that's part of prepaving. I have my clients if you're going into a big interview go find two minutes to stand up in, in, in that power pose before you go into that interview. Because you want to lower your cortisol, raise your testosterone. And physiologically, that will make a huge difference for you.
0: Let's talk about your book. Where can we find your book?
2: Uh, Well, by now, by the time this comes, it should be on Amazon. Easy.
0: All right. And we'll be sure to include a link to your website on our show notes at lovebeingboss.com. But you can also go to jpriorcoaching.com. And the book is called?
2: Lean Inside. 7 and steps to personal power.
0: That's another thing that we didn't even get into is leaning into what you want to do next, which is another huge thing that you taught me like whenever you are let's say creating a podcast, lean into it. Just yeah. do it on your headphones first before you buy the microphone. Type yeah. up an agenda. You don't even have to record it. You just have to lean into it. And so it's language that even um, me and my best friend use all the time whenever it just right. comes to life stuff. We're like, lean into that a little bit. Yeah. It's like our priorism <laughs> Well, and to
2: make a distinction, though, because there is the book Lean In. I want to be sure that my, my book is called Lean Inside because I believe that everything inside you is all you need. You don't need anything else. You have everything you need already. And that's what I think that there's a, I mean, even myself, I was just laughing at myself the other day because I heard somebody talk about yet another book and it was about thresholds. So it was about like how we have a joy threshold that we distinguish when we're pretty young. And then once we start to be successful, we hit that joy threshold. We do something to sabotage ourselves, right? Because that's all the joy we're allowed. So I heard this book and I thought, I should read that book like that's that's, you know, because I have a tendency sometimes to, you know, get just so far right in business. I should read that book. I start reading the book. It's the same damn thing. Every other book is telling me, right? There's not another book. Everything I have is inside me. Everything you have is inside, everything you need is inside you to accomplish and do whatever you can think of. And I think that reaching outside of ourselves is what we've been taught to do so much. And really it's about getting inside you and realizing once you tap into that, it's miraculous. I mean, it's miraculous. Yeah. The stuff that you can accomplish when you lean so inside.
0: True. Yeah. So true. Um, yeah I, I want to have you on the show again even to talk about the links between spirituality and all the because you can get pretty woo-woo I mean you're very practical I can get but we can get woo, like yeah my I
2: like to be practical but I also do think that there's something about that that leaning inside you're leaning into that that's your spiritual nature or that piece of you you can't see I don't know some people would call it your spirit. And Whenever. that's
0: that's something that even on our last coaching session that we were talking about is and even on the last podcast Emily and I were talking about our experience in New Orleans and how really truly magical and spiritual it was and one of the things I learned there is that I want to like I've been you know kind of keeping my spirituality and my life, for lack of better words, almost (laughs) separate. You know, so my career, my the way I parent, all of it, and my spirituality. Like, spirituality is just on the side, and it's just for fun. Like, oh, yeah, let's manifest a parking spot. Isn't that cute? Like, that's kind of how I was treating my spirituality. And so even the last time I talked to you, Jay, I was like, you know what? I just want to focus on um, really the tools that will get me in the right mindset. I don't want to talk about spirituality. And you laughed (laughs) at me.
2: (laughs) And I started laughing, didn't I?
0: (laughs) (laughs) You laughed at
2: me. I was like, you are so full of
0: crap. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll get you on the show to talk about that at some point again. Yeah. Um, Okay. uh, One other thing I want to touch on just before we go, because... You are definitely an advocate for lesbian, gay, um, transgender, queer, all of it. Like, where can we – and we'll include links in our show notes to this as well. But where can we learn more about um, that? I mean, there are kids killing themselves. Like, it's Mm -hmm. just – and not just kids. Like, there is – it's important to us that this –
2: 41% is the transgender uh, uh, statistics right now. 41% 41% of transgender people at least attempt suicide. Um, so, uh, yeah, I have a huge commitment to that. And um, actually, just yesterday, there was an article uh, on me and my family and in people.com. Yes, um, it's so, so, that, so good. And, we'll
0: include a link to that.
2: Yeah, thanks. So it was a really good article. Because I was somebody who was suicidal most of my life growing up, uh, to dealing with coming out as being gay. And I figured I was raised to believe that I was going to go to hell if I killed myself. I always thought I was going to go to hell if I was gay. So I figured, well, I'm going to hell anyway. I just get there faster and then people wouldn't have to deal with me. Um, so yeah, I, um, there's lots of resources. The It Gets Better project is one of the, a very powerful resource. Um, the Gay Men's Course of Los Angeles does an does a live tour for the It Gets Better project. And they actually tell my story um, in that, in their live show So they're traveling all over the country, um, talking to middle schools and high schools. And uh, when they go to places, they do a lot of um, what they call world cafes or community outreach. Um, So they're doing a lot. Um, But so the It Gets Better Project, I think, is a great, great resource. Um, Obviously, HRC is out there. Um, There's lots and lots of groups. But I would say that It Gets Better Project is one of the best. Um, And you know there's all kinds of youth movements that and that's where it's important the 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 best thing though and the thing i'm most hopeful about is what i see anyway is that anybody under 30 doesn't really give a crap or at least most of the people under 30 don't really give a crap so fortunately you know, homophobia is dying off. Thank God. <laughs> and, yeah, I think, I really think it is. That's my, that's my assertion. Hopefully. Um, I will say that, I mean, there are some, I, I think it will transform over time. And there's always backlash. Um, once things start to transform, we have backlash the other direction. Um, but overall, um, I think it's getting a lot better.
0: And I think it's just there is even an awareness to how we talk about gender that Mm -hmm. can make a big difference. So, for example, even the Being Boss Facebook group, a lot of people assume that it's just for women. But I have in the rules there that this is open to men, women, and all genders. Mm -hmm. um, Because what I'm learning is that it is a spectrum and just kind of that awareness around it. So, um,
2: Well, that's one of the reasons that I stay out. I mean, I know that... Um, like you said, in your opinion, I'm a dude, but I don't identify myself as a man. I mean, I don't feel like because I took a shot of testosterone, it turned me into a man. Um, and I haven't had any surgery from the waist down. So if, if you get real technical with me, I'm kind of a half and half, you know, half man, half woman. Um, but I really just still feel like I'm the same person in terms of my communication style. I mean, a little bit of a brain difference, like I said, how my brain functions a little differently. But I'm not – I didn't – I wasn't trained to be a man. I feel like we train people into their gender so much that I don't have that training. So I'm one of those in betweens. I'm a, I consider myself gender. The new term is gender fluid with the younger people, which I love. Um, who wouldn't want to be gender fluid? I used to call myself a gender queer. Um, but I definitely feel like I'm in the middle, right? Um, and that's, and I think again, that's the other reason that I, my seminars are right now anyway, exclusively for women. I'm doing a couples seminar in February, by the way. Um, February 15th, I'm going to do it for couples because I've had enough requests. Then I'm going to go ahead and stick my toe in that water. But I predominantly empower women because I think women are the also the ones that are going to change this conversation. Women are the ones that are going to change, you know, women are the catalyst for change. That's how it, how it goes. There's a woman by the name of Adelaide Hoodless who was a, who invented Home ec. Right, she was oh, the yeah. yeah. She was a ca- Canadian-born woman, um, and uh, unfortunately, she had a child die, a son die, because he ate some meat that was um, rancid, and they didn't have proper, you know, refrigerating techniques and things like that. They just didn't know, right? And so she was devastated by that, and decided that this is ridiculous. And we're not educated about that. Started educating herself, and then teaching women about how to educate themselves about. Um, food science, and she has a quote that says, if you educate a boy, you educate a person. If you educate a girl, you educate a community. And I really believe that. And because throughout history, women are always the catalysts for change and for making things happen. And so that's why I continue to have seminars for women and about women, but also teach straight women what I learned from lesbians, which is how to hold space for all women, right? I think that straight women are taught to compete with each other. You're taught that, that I mean, it's more important to have the interest of that guy than it is to connect with that woman. And so I've just, here in Lawrence, I've got over 130 women now, I believe, that have gone through my seminar, and they continue to stay in touch. They meet monthly. They have a Facebook page that they lift each other up on. And they are becoming very facile with holding space for every size, every type, every age, every economic status of woman that walks through that door. And they are finding that... Some of them even have told me that flat out they had no idea how important it was for them to have a community of women. They didn't. They just didn't realize they needed it until they had it, and now they can't live without it. So that's another reason is I think we got to have women be in that conversation because that's what's going to transform all of these conversations, LGBT issues, poverty issues, all of that stuff. Women are the ones that are going to transform that, and it's going to be done in community, and it's going to be done from women lifting each other up and having other women be successful. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to Being Boss. Find show notes for this episode at lovebeingboss.com. Listen to past episodes and subscribe to new episodes on our website, on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. Did
1: you like this episode? Head on over to our Facebook group by searching Being Boss on Facebook and join in on the conversation with other bosses or share it with a friend. Do the work. Be boss.
0: You guys, I have to pee so bad, I'm about to die. So Emily. <laughs> Is that why get, you're squirming? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like. <laughs> uh, so we're squirming a bit, there, uh, All right, Emily, go you pee. tell Jay how to transfer the files over. I'll be right back. Perfect. You go pee. <laughs>